And we went out and bought five investment properties, single family homes, uh, brand new builds. And um, these were, man, $145,000 homes that were renting for $1,500, $1,600 a month. So we're like, oh, this is good. This is easy. I love this. And that's what led us on this path. And then fast forward a little bit more, we had friends and family seeing, how, how are you doing this? How are you living in San Francisco and owning rental properties out in Texas? So we just decided to form a, a small group to help our friends and family. And then Kathy had started a small radio show in the San Francisco area. So listeners of that show were saying, how did you do this? And we formed this group that we called Real Wealth. And today, 19 years later, Real Wealth now has over 66,000 members that we've helped create financial independence through investing in real estate. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Man, do I have a few amazing segments for you lined up now. This guy, our guest today, uh, he and his wife are just an amazing team. Uh, They've done some amazing things in real estate. Uh, Their story is incredible. He's going to share a little piece of that with you uh, right off the bat today. And I know it's going to encourage you. I hope whether you are a passive or active investor that you're going to listen closely to our guest today. His name is Rich Fecky. He's the author of The Wise Investor, a modern parable about creating financial freedom and living your best life. He's a licensed real estate broker, active investor, co-founder of Real Wealth, a real estate investment group that helps its 60,000 plus members improve their financial intelligence, secure passive income, and obtain financial freedom. A pioneer in the field of business and personal coaching, he's a former vice president of the International Coach Federation and holds one of the ICF's first master certified coach credentials. Rich's work has been featured on TV, radio, and print, including USA Today, Entrepreneur Magazine, and the Wall Street Journal. I've enjoyed getting to know Rich and Kathy over the last number of years. I've had Rich and Kathy on the show a few different times, and every time they bring so much value. I'm honored to have him on for a number of segments today. We're going to jump into their story to some degree, his background, and we're going to jump into his book as well, The Wise Investor, and talk about some specific things he has in the book uh, that I know you're going to learn from and take things home today. Enjoy the show with Rich. You're going to be inspired and you're going to learn a lot. Rich, welcome to the show. Honored to have you on. I know you've been on the show. It's been a while. You and your uh, amazing bride, you all are uh, just quite the entrepreneurial duo. It's incredible uh, to get to know you all a little better, even speak at some of the same conferences. I've seen you recently. And uh, so honored to get to spend this time with you, Rich. Thank you. uh, Just right off the bat, I just want to thank you for your time. Thank you, Whitney. Good to be here. It was great seeing you a few months ago. And yeah, my my bride is amazing. I agree. (laughs) I'm grateful. You all are, are just have an amazing brand and business and looking forward to diving in. Uh, you know, let's give the listeners though a little bit more about who Rich is and, you know, just share a little bit about your all's focus in the real estate industry as well. And let's dive into this book that you've written as well. Absolutely. Sure. Well, who am I going way back? It was, uh, I was diagnosed hyperkinetic disorder when I was eight years old. Today they call that ADHD, but they didn't, I'm older, so they didn't have that term back then. So I was put on Ritalin. I was put in the class for the learning disabled and made fun of in school. And so I've got this inner gremlin that I still am working to shake that tells me that I'm never going to be successful. I'll never amount to anything. But what turned things around for me was I got into weight training uh, in my senior year of high school. I didn't even graduate with my high school class. It was like, not school was not a, a good place for me. But weight training really taught me about building discipline, staying focused, coming up with a goal, envisioning success. And I started to apply those lessons to my educational pursuits and went on to get a degree in business 
business and opened a health club when I was 23 years old. And that's when I really just got into business. I love business. I love leading a team. I love working with a group of awesome people to create a purpose and a mission and to really go after it. So fast forward, I moved to California. That's I grew up in Boston, moved to California in 95. That's when I met Kathy, my wife, and was doing really well. I got into business and personal coaching back in 95 when it was new. It was a new industry and just loved it and kind of rocketed up in that industry because it was so new. I was elected uh, president of a coaching organization and ended up having a front page article in the San Francisco Chronicle on, on myself and my clients. And so life was just like on fire. Everything was great. And then I signed a book deal with Simon & Schuster, but then I was diagnosed with melanoma, which is the most advanced form of skin cancer. And they thought it had spread to my liver. And I met with an oncologist. This is after several months of testing. And the oncologist said that I had six months to live. I was 37 years old. My wife, Kathy, we had two daughters, 10 years old and three years old. And it was a real shock to our whole family. And so Kathy was a stay-at-home mom at the time. And she's the one who said, I have to find a way to make ends meet if Rich dies. So she went out and sought mentors and started to talk to successful people and found that most of those successful people had created their success and their wealth through real estate and real estate investing. So she got excited about that. She's like, this is what I can do. Thankfully, the doctor's diagnosis was wrong. The melanoma had not spread to my liver. It was just hemangiomas, which a lot of us have in our organs, just clusters of blood vessels. But it was enough on the scans to have them think that it was had spread and metastasized. So that was the thankful thing that, that I was at a new lease on life and made it through after a few surgeries to remove the melanoma, cancer-free. Now it's been 20 years since then, but that is what got us into investing. And that's what was the spark. Kathy and I did a cash out refi on our, the home that we owned in San Francisco. And we went to north of Dallas, Texas, to a little town called Rockwall. And we went out and bought five investment properties, single family homes, uh, brand new builds. And um, these were, man, $145,000 homes that were renting for $1,500, $1,600 a month. So we're like, oh, this is good. This is easy. I love this. And that's what led us on this path. And then fast forward a little bit more, we had friends and family seeing, how, how are you doing this? How are you living in San Francisco and owning rental properties out in Texas? So we just decided to form a, a small group to help our friends and family. And then Kathy had started a small radio show in the San Francisco area. So listeners of that show were saying, how did you do this? And we formed this group that we called Real Wealth. And today, 19 years later, Real Wealth now has over 66,000 members that we've helped create financial independence through investing in real estate. That's it in a nutshell is the best I can. Yeah, no, I love hearing hearing your whole story. It's just incredible. So many parts of that. I just appreciate your transparency, right? Even from the diagnosis at eight, I just think there's so many people that can relate to that as well, right? Uh, you know, in the struggle of that through school, uh, and I don't know, just getting labeled. I, I think it's a crime almost. I mean, just uh, you know, I, I do. You know, it's like, man, and you're such an example of it, it wasn't true, right? I mean, you were able to come through that, able to do amazing things. That you know, uh, I love the the perseverance, right? That you just uh, show through that. Even uh, opening your own health club at 23. Uh, I mean, I just, man, uh, it's incredible. So, uh, and I want to go go there for just a moment. You know, would you say the pushback that you received at that time was it, you know, were family members or friends maybe saying, hey, Rich, you know, you know, maybe you should think about opening this club or this business. Maybe you shouldn't do this by yourself or maybe you, you know what I mean? Like, I just wonder how much that pushback there was and how you overcame that. 
Yeah, definitely push back. You know, I was intent on it. I was a competitive bodybuilder for about 10 years. So I had gone to a lot of different health clubs and gyms. And I would look at these places and say, I could do it better. I could do it better. And it was my training partner and I, when we, we were on a trip to Florida and after several gyms like that, we're like, we can do it better. So we got home and I was all fired up. And then, yeah, then I met the resistance. I realized that I needed to get a loan and have uh, someone co-sign with bank that owned the property where we put, it was started with an 8,000 foot square foot facility. So it was convincing my parents actually. And my mom's always been a huge believer in me. She sees ADD as an extra ability. There's different benefits that come from having ADD and get to see more and be more attentive to more things. So she's the one that believed in me. I did have to convince her because her concern was that I only had an associate's degree at the time. And she said, I just, I'm just afraid that if you open this gym, that you'll never go on and get your four-year degree, which was really important to her. So I'm just like, mom, I promise, I promise if you give me this loan, if you co sign in this loan, even if it doesn't work out, I'll work two full-time jobs to pay the loan back. Uh, I'm, it's going to work. I know it's going to happen. And somehow I sold my parents on it and they co-signed with me on the loan and my partner came in and it was a life-changing experience running a business. It was just me and my partners in the beginning. And then over time, we grew that 8,000 square foot facility to 23,000 square feet. We had 24 employees by the time I sold it when I was 30. It was a life-changer. I'm always going back to my mom, thanking her for that. Had she not done that, there's no way I would be where I am today. And I wouldn't have helped the people that I've helped today and all that. So yeah, there was definitely some resistance. There was definitely the naysayers saying, oh man, it's, I heard it's really hard to run a gym, run a health club. And 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 it was hard. And those first couple of years were a grind, but we came through and made it happen. Yeah, I think that that could speak to you know people who are maybe in those same shoes as you are, but also the parents of those individuals as well. I, I love that. How has maybe that changed how you have thought about even parenting as far as your mother signed with you and kind of helped push you or in this direction, right? Or believed in you. Uh, what does that look like now, uh, you know, as, as a parent? Yeah. Yeah, now we have adult kids, you know, one, one daughter's 30. We have a grandson now who's two and a half, which is pretty awesome. Uh, our other younger daughter's 23 now. Our parenting style has very been much about using questions. You know, Kathy and I both went through coach training back in 1995, 1996. And the power of the coaching that we learned is very Socratic, very much uh, realizing that most people have most of their answers inside or they're resourceful and they find those answers somewhere. And so as parents, we always would just ask our daughters questions. We wouldn't tell them what to do or what they had to do or how they had to do it. It was very that Socratic, curious, uh, tell me more. What do you want? What do you, what's next? How are you going to go about that? And I think that's empowering for anyone, whether you're a parent, whether you're a coach, whether you're a business leader, all of those things is asking curious, asking the question, realizing that people are creative, that people are resourceful, that people can find out their answers where they need to, whether it be through books or podcasts or finding a mentor. So I just see as my job as a parent is to empower my kids to believe in themselves, to draw out the answers for them and to show them how to be resourceful instead of micromanaging and telling them how to do things. And that's the way we treat all of our employees at Real Wealth too. Love that. Yeah, I have so much to learn from you. Mm, I don't know. Always learning, man. Me too. That's awesome. Uh, now, I just appreciate you sharing that. I mean, just like your mother believed in you, right? Uh, you know, and, and man, you know, they took that leap of faith in you and supported you. I love that. Uh, but then even to the the diagnosis, you know, at 37, wow, what an eye opener, right? And how that changed everything for you all. I mean, it's 
almost a blessing now that that happened, right? Uh, you know, but what a blessing that 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 it was not correct. I, I just cannot imagine. Wow, uh, what the what rejoicing you know happened when you figured out that that it wasn't true. Uh, but so many things have happened, man. You all built this, you know, the real wealth brand, and uh, you know, we've. T- I think even last time you were on the show. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe we talked about EOS a little bit and how you all have implemented that and how you're caring for employees, and we worked through that a little bit. And and uh, and so I love your you know your all's desire to just to care for your employees, the culture, you know, the focus on culture and and how well you all have done that. Uh, but you know, I want to dive in though as well to you know this thing you, you call real wealth. But you, you know, you re- you wrote a book re- recently called the, the Wise Investor Book, right? And I want to dive into what that is. Like, wh- what is that about? And let's dive into why you wrote the book. Give us some details. Sure. Yeah. So the Wise Investor is a little bit different than most financial books and real estate books. It's a parable. It's a modern parable. So it's a story, and it's about creating financial freedom and living your best life. That's actually the subtitle. Man, what can I say about it? It's a a parable. It's kind of like if you took rich dad, poor dad, and the alchemist, and the richest man in Babylon and kind of blended it into a book. It's that style of book. And the reason I wrote a story is because for two reasons. Number one, I wanted the reader to finish it. And my first book was a nonfiction book, the one that I signed with Simon & Schuster uh, called Extreme Success. It was a nonfiction personal development coaching book. And I'm really proud of it. And I also know, and I read some statistics, that 86% of people don't finish nonfiction books. And so I didn't want to write another book that people weren't going to finish. So I wanted to write a compelling story that was a page. Turner that could share the lessons and emotionalize the information. That's what a story does. I think a story can take information like about investing, about financial freedom, about business, about being a better parent, about being a better spouse, about being more present. These are all the lessons that I wove into the, the wise investor. And it emotionalizes this information and the lessons so it sticks because the reader can see themselves in the protagonist. They can see themselves in maybe the protagonist's wife or even the mentor or even you know all these different characters. It's like, oh, I kind of experienced that same type of lesson, or I need to hear this lesson. And so that's why I wrote a parable. And that was that's why it was important to me. Yeah, I love that. I think about my boys, even my daughter now, she's three. Uh, you know, it's like when my uh, wife or I read a good story, I mean, you can see it in their faces, right? I mean, they are just on the edge of their seats. And, and it's hard for them to sit still for school, right, for 15 minutes. But man, when you're reading the story, my wife can read a story for an hour and their eyes are just glued on her. Yeah, mm, that's the way we operate as human beings, you know, for thousands of years, you know, think about Jesus and all the stories he shared and every, even the Buddha, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter. You know, you look way back in the Stoics, it's it's usually stories. And then I went about this with, I hired someone from, uh, he's called a StoryGrid certified editor. So there's this thing called StoryGrid, which is this guy, Sean Coyne, who has analyzed what makes an amazing story. Basically, Joseph Campbell's work and the hero's journey and all these blockbuster movies that follow follow the same type of hero's journey. So I hired someone to work with me on this story. We would meet on Zoom and talk out the story and the characters. I would share the lessons that I've learned and then I've learned from the members of Real Wealth over the years around investing, about creating financial freedom, all these things, all the stories and lessons that from my coaching clients over the years. And then we wove this into that story. So it was just kind of a, I kind of did the who, not how. And it's like, okay, not how can I get this book written, but who do I need to help me get this book written and do it in a, in a compelling way? For sure. Uh, are the characters real people, or uh, how did you how do you frame that? 
Um, they are fictional people based on real people. And it's a fictional story, but it's based on real life events. Absolutely. So when on our podcast, The Real Wealth Show, Kathy's been doing that for since podcasting came out in 2005. It's kind of crazy. But we interview people on that as you do. And we just look at their journey. Like, where were they? What did they do? And where are they now? And these stories are so compelling and so inspiring that I absolutely wove some of those stories into the main character of the wise investor because they they need to be shared. You know, it's really powerful. So basically it's the main character's name is Ryan Brooks. It tells a story of his life over five years. And in the beginning, you know, he starts off, he's a W-2 employee. He's making a good six-figure income. He's maxing out his 401k, but his spending habits are crap. <laughs> he's not aware of where his money's going. He's got lifestyle creep and he has no time. He's trying to climb the corporate ladder and he has no time for his wife, for his kids, or even to live. So it kind of shows that story of him meeting a new friend, meeting a new mentor who guides him and shows him a new way to creating financial freedom. And this guy, Ryan, becomes wealthy in more ways than he ever thought possible. You mentioned a lifestyle creep. What is that? Lifestyle creep is like when you start to make a little more money, you get a pay raise and all of a sudden you get a nicer car and then you get another pay raise and you get a bigger house and then you get a boat and then you start you know, going out to eat more and your lifestyle starts to go up with your income and you never have any money left over magically, right? It's like, why don't you have money to invest? And so the big lessons around most people that I've met and most people we've talked to in our network and even some of us investors, you know, when I talk to them at conferences, don't have a personal financial statement. They don't know what their network is. They don't know what their monthly cash flow is. They don't even know what their real expenses are in those different categories. So that's one of the first lessons that the protagonist learns from the mentor is just want you to write down all of your expenses. I want to see over the period of a month, where's your money going? And then he gives them the challenge of reducing those expenses by 20%. And he thinks it's impossible. He's like, there's no way I could reduce my expenses by 20%, but he figures a way. And that's what so many of us have to do. And including myself, I've been through this. I went through it where not being aware, making more money, but not really aware of where that money's going and putting that money to work. I think that's key. Have you? And this is kind of a, a side question to the story, but but I want to ask you right now anyway, is, there, is have you found a great way to track personal expenses or how do you do that to manage that? Uh, I know listeners, uh, many of us have tried to do that well. Uh, any tips around that? Yes. I think the best thing I ever did was hiring a bookkeeper for our personal finances. So I was, you know, trying to do it myself. It's like, well, I should be able to manage this myself. I should be able to track all the expenses. I, I should be able to put in a couple hours a week on, on our books, but I would avoid it. I would put it off. There was other more important things to focus on, growing the business, taking care of the kids. And so one day I finally just said, you know what? Thanks to my coach, I have a coach I speak to every other week. He's the one who challenged me. He's like, right, Rich, why are you doing your own books? And so I bit the bullet. I hired a bookkeeper and that's been a game changer. And now he creates these reports. He creates a monthly net worth statement, um, monthly personal financial statement, our balance sheet, cash flow statement, our budget. And so now all Kathy and I have to do is sit down, print these reports out, go over them and look at what's working, what's not working, what adjustments we need to make, um, where we're going to deploy some capital into an investment. 
yeah, so getting a bookkeeper is that's the biggie. Yeah, I appreciate your focus on that, and we won't spend a ton of time there. I feel like we probably should do a whole show on that. I feel like that would help so many listeners, right? Just to get a handle on your own personal expenses, I think is crucial. Uh, just as you are mentioning here, uh, but uh, just to uh, clarify for the listeners as well. Now, this is a, a bookkeeper that's for your personal finances. It's not like for the business, uh, just business, uh, like your entities, your operating business, those things. But it's like, how much am I spending on e- on eating out this month? Is that accurate? One hundred percent. Yeah. So we have a we have our basically a, we have a CFO for our company, and we also have a director of finance. So our director of finance at Real Wealth, she runs the whole thing financially. You know, keeping track of things and our whole QuickBooks account and everything. And we have an outsourced CFO who is experienced. You know, He only basically probably puts in maybe five hours a week for our company, but he's an experienced CFO who's worked with multiple companies. So he can really help guide us as a business on what's working, where we need to make adjustments, all that stuff, you know, percentages and ratios. Um, but yeah, this this guy, Sam, who's our personal bookkeeper, I hired him through a company called Belay. And Belay provides executive assistance, which this is where I also found my executive assistant. And Belay also has uh, bookkeepers, you know, trained bookkeepers with experience. So I hired Sam through Belay. And I think probably been working with him for five or six years now. And so he he knows our finances better than I do. It's really awesome. Love that. I appreciate that insight there too. I've talked to Belay numerous times about a virtual assistants and, and I know they're like the cream of the crop or seem to be anyway as in virtual assistants. Well, I appreciate that side note there. I want to jump back into the book and uh, you, you talk about this mentor a little bit. Uh, is the mentor's focus mostly on real estate? And if so, why? He, yeah, that's his main focus, you know? I mean, I would hope so. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Well, also, that's what I've seen create the greatest wealth, you know, for us as a family and for the members of Real Wealth and the people that I associate with. And, you know, I have friends who are financial advisors. I have friends who invest in the stock market and they do well, you know, the ones who do it right. But the mentor basically just says, you know, real estate is his favorite method of acquiring wealth and creating cash flow. And he goes over what so many of us know, you know, like the five ways to benefits and profit from real estate investing from appreciation to all the tax benefits of it, the hedge against inflation, you know, all this stuff that that we know. And he explains it to Ryan, the protagonist. And though it's it's kind of a new thing to Ryan. And as he's learning these lessons, he's like, oh man, I didn't even realize all these benefits of investing. So the mentor, he invests in stocks, he invests in crypto, he has gold, all that stuff. But real estate is his primary uh, wealth building vehicle, really. Love that. I feel like it'd be one of those kind of like rich dad poor dad or some of those that are like it's more it's the eye opening part that has to happen you know or the mind expansion that hey this is a real thing this is possible for me right and I feel like that's just crucial before you're you ever dive into the the actual dynamics of how you take down a, a single family home or a multifamily or all those things right it's like understanding that I can do it yeah yeah and the mentor you know even says he goes I started in single family and that's how I got you know started off and learned it and then he said now I invest in multifamily I invest in mobile home parks. I invest in self-storage, you know, so he's kind of this blend of so many people I've met at these conferences, you know, like you or like Brendan Turner or like Tarl Yarber or like Kenny McElroy, you know, it's like he's this blend of these experienced investors and and he's he has wisdom, uh, a lot more wisdom than I do. I know that. <laughs> Rich, I'm grateful for your time today. I want the listeners to know too, we're going to do a series with Rich. So we're going to do, uh, you know, another show or two with him and dive more into uh, what is real wealth and, and that right financial 
financial mindset we're going to jump into shortly. So Rich, thank you so much for your time today and even sharing, really, just being transparent about your story and some of the hardships that have helped shape you and Kathy, your business that has just become so amazing. Uh, and so I know that's helping so many people because you all are willing to be so open about it uh, and, and you know the struggles of, of making it happen, right? And how you all have done that. And even this book, uh, looking forward to diving into that a little more. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Sure. Our company is really simple. It's just realwealth.com. Social media, I think I'm the only Rich Fetke in the world. So just Rich Fetke, which is F-E-T-T-K-E. And then the Wise Investors available now. It's on Amazon, all major booksellers as a Kindle or ebook, and also on Audible as an audiobook. And it'll be coming out soon as a hardcover uh, once the supply chain issues are dealt with here. But it's coming out really soon as a hardcover. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day.